All right, welcome to the Patch Bay. This is Pags from MEI Studio, and with me is... Uh, Mikhail from Black Rock Sound. Okay, this is our third episode, I think, now, and uh, this week uh, who's we counting? have some... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, should we be counting? <laughs> I don't know. Don't we have to put, like, episode numbers in this? Yeah, maybe, this? maybe. But yeah, so we're uh, mainly going to be speaking about, uh, you know, studio and audio-related topics. We originally started with a uh, segment on gas, which almost every engineer and studio person seems to be afflicted by. And uh, we're going to make that a regular short segment at the beginning of our shows here and talk about some new stuff that either we got or came out or whatever it is. And then we'll uh, kind of mosey into uh, whatever happens. And I, and I, I think you're, you're actually sitting right in front of a piece of equipment. That I'm you sitting right in front huh? of my gas. Yes. All right. Yeah. Tell me about it. So th- th- this is funny. Obviously, this is only an audio podcast. So you can't see it. But uh, what does it look like to you? It looks like you're speaking into some sort of mangled looking 414. Well, it's, uh, let's see. Can you, can you see it any, any better now? Yeah, just it looks like an elongated 414. Okay, that's me. that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good assessment. This is a I wound up spending forty dollars on this mic with the coupon. oh my god is this is this is this that uh, yes, this is, is this the Chinese mic on Amazon yes, that I keep hearing about Pro R Pro A R I don't know how you want to pronounce that but it's the copy the physical copy of a AKG 414. Circuit wise, completely different everything, but I couldn't. It's like an electric mic or yeah, something, it is. right? Uh, I could not pass it up for 40 bucks. And it actually came with a pop filter that normally sells for 100 bucks. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you know, just for that, I mean, it came with the shock mount, it came with the pop filter, it came with the mic and a cable. And it was 40 bucks with the coupon. I think it's normally like 99 or something like that. But even still, even at that price, it's, it's pretty darn That's good. That's insane. I mean, I got to tell you, your voice sounds amazing right now. Like, it sounds like you're talking into a really nice condenser it, microphone. Yeah, it does. Um, that's the scary part about it. I did do some tests on it. In normal studio applications, it does seem to be lacking a little bit in the bottom end when you compare it directly to a real 414. Um, I have the uh-huh. XL2 here, and I also have a BULS. Compared to the- those are designations, those are different 414 models yeah, for yeah. people that are not in the know, by the way. So yeah, the XL2 that I have tends to be the, it's a little bit brighter. Um, they have two models out that are out right now, the XLS and the XL2. Um, Bandrew mm-hmm. from uh, Podcastage just did a really good shootout between the two of them. And uh, it was it's pretty interesting to see the difference. But yeah. this mic has very similar features to the XL2 in the top end and the bottom end seems to be lacking a little bit if you're far away from the mic. So I tried mm-hmm. miking my piano up with this mic compared to the 414 and the bass was lacking. I mean, there's no nice way to put it. It was it was pretty low. Yeah. And I don't mean low like in a good way. It was, you know, m- <laughs> right, rolled right. off. Let, let's put it that way. Um, on voice, however, when you can kind of get near the mic, it sounds pretty damn good. <laughs> I mean, it really does. No, I mean, that's it. You sound great right now. I mean, you're really close to it, but it sounds I'm, awesome. I'm about, I would have to say almost six inches away from it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I get really close up on it, then. You know, oh, so yeah. A lot, a lot of proximity yeah, effect. Yeah. S- stupid proximity yeah. effect. So about six inches, it has a, it's a decent sweet spot, but I mean, Dude, forty bucks. <laughs> I was like, uh, no, okay. that's that's really really good. I'll yeah. bite. So yeah, that was my guess for the week. How about you? What do you? Uh, w- what did you do, Ray? 
<laughs> well, uh, I think uh, my guess is going to sort of tie into um, our main topic today okay. that um, I guess maybe we'll keep a surprise until we get there. But um, I, uh, you know, you and I are studio engineers, music producers. We're kind of on the um, other side of the glass, per se. Uh, but the piece of gear that I want to talk about a little bit is um, I got new bass guitar strings this week. You know, for those of you that don't know, both Anthony and I are uh, bass players. Stop it, bass. Exactly. And we very often uh, will perform on recordings that we're uh, working on. I play very regularly on my productions and i've been working on a lot of um techniques kind of inspired by this bass player pino paladino um so to kind of really get in that mindset i got these uh, labella flat wound strings mm -hmm. for the bass i used to have like these round wounds on my main my main axe okay. but i got these labella flats on it these low tension flats got a new setup for the bass because uh, you know, it obviously had to be, the action had to be raised and all sorts of stuff. This is turning into a guitar geek podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, it's, uh, you know what, you, you actually bring something up that I, I think we can talk about either, you know, now or at some point, but I have found it more than, uh, useful in the 20 plus years I've been doing this to know how to do basic tech work on instruments. I don't, I, can, totally. I can't tell you how many times I've had either a bass player or a guitar player come in and something is wrong with the instrument. Me knowing how to fix that, how to do yep. a, a simple neck adjustment, how to adjust saddles, yep. how to, you know, deal with, you know, electronic problems. I mean, I had a, a totally. phenomenal guitar player came in a couple months back and he has this, you know, I think it's a reissue, uh, like a, 1959 strat reissue or something like i mean the guitar sounded amazing the neck pickup just yeah. kept cutting out and you know it was like all right well you know let's open this thing up and see what's going on and uh it was really it was kind of like a mystery i've never seen this happen but before but like knowing how to go in there and and be able to diagnose a problem on an instrument can save yep. a session and, and exactly it's something every engineer out there should know the basics of if you're going to be dealing with musicians that totally. have instruments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that will completely tie into our topic, but, um, yeah, my big guess thing was, it was those strings. They completely changed the way I was playing, you know, having low tension strings on an instrument meant I had to dig in a lot less to get the sound that I was going for. Mm -hmm. And it made a lot of the things that I was trying to go for, uh, much easier to get. It was one of those like revelatory moments of, Oh, I don't have to fight the instrument to get this thing that I want to do and kind of, you know, having the right tool for, the job right. just made my life so much easier. Yeah. And also the tone coming out of them. It's very different than oh, yeah. round wounds. And, you know, just listening to that, I was like, oh, this is beautiful. I've been totally searching for this sort of vibe. And yeah, so putting, you know, new strings on uh, on an instrument that I've had for, you know, five years and used on hundreds of recordings was, you know, my, my guess this week. But nice. it really, it is, it, it arguably has made a bigger change to my recording tone and my playing mm -hmm than you know anything else in a while even than a bigger change than a new bass that i got a year right. ago <laughs> so um, yeah i and the bases that i have in the studio here i have uh there's a few of them that have round wound there's a few of them that have flat wound strings on them so i kind of have like those yep. all ready to go at a moment's notice because i mean mm -hmm. for playing as long as i have it, it's uh 
I mean, that to me is just one of those things that you just kind of inherently pick up uh, over time where it's just like, oh, I want that yeah. sound. That's those strings on yep. that particular totally. type of bass. So totally, you know, totally. That- and, and, and to be clear, this was not my first flat right. wound string on a bass, but it was just for the sort of stuff that I was doing, you really kind of needed uh something like a p bass right. and my p bass has always had rounds yep. on it um yeah my so, p bass yeah, putting- is flat wounds with mutes <laughs> it's the mo it's yeah, the motown I, bass. <laughs> I, I, it, dude totally totally i think we're in the same we're in the same yep. camp as that um and speaking of bass playing and you know what you were talking about about being able to go into these instruments i think that's a great segue into uh into our main topic mm-hmm. uh do you want to do you want to introduce it yeah um so you know if you if if you can't haven't put two and two together, um, being an audio engineer doesn't mean that you just sit there and you know always push the record button and the playback button and that's all you do <laughs> and you know set up mics or you know whatever. A lot of times, uh, and I'm not even going to say a lot of times. If you want to be worth something in this industry, you got to be able to adapt and put on many oh, different yeah. hats in the studio in in order to be somebody that is successful and sought after it's one thing you know anybody can sit there and push a record button somebody that knows how to push the record button and you know what we were just talking about you know fix an instrument somebody that can play an instrument um i mean out of all the studios that i've worked i think excuse me maybe one one studio that i worked at there were a couple of engineers that had literally no musical experience like they could not play an instrument it was far more you know, common to find somebody that could play guitar, bass, you know, drums, whatever it was. Actually, you don't hear a lot of drummers <laughs> as engineers, but, um, oh, I know, I know a few. Yeah. I, know yeah, a few. I, I, I haven't yeah. really run. I think I ran into like one maybe, but, um, but you know, again, that kind of a thing where like you can play an instrument, you know, if you do need to fill in a gap somewhere, being able to play multiple instruments, Brian Eno and Pat Brian Eno, yeah, uh, right. Is 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 a big one, and then Patrick Carney from the Black Keys, mm-hmm. who's like a well seasoned producer and engineer, yep. both uh, no, great yeah, drummers. Right. And, um, yeah. uh, you know that um, some people don't get the distinction between a uh, producer and an engineer, and they are two very different things. A lot of overlap in in the contemporary. Uh, oh, definitely, contemporary without a doubt, music, there's overlap. But field. you know, in, in the traditional sense, they were two different jobs. Um, and yep. you know, mm-hmm. with the popularity of you know the home studio or the project studio that type of a thing has caused that overlap to happen even more uh as as people are trying to like kind of keep costs down and and you know keep budgets a little bit lower than you know what they were you know pre-90s um yeah but yeah i mean mean, there's like a ton of different things like electrical engineering knowing how to solder a cable something like that is really part of being an engineer to me and you know along with other the, the all of those things actually so yeah i mean I, we both probably have enough stories to uh fill a few hours of like how that has impacted what we do and you know what we get invited to do and what we get hired to do totally totally um yeah i i think that versatility is more important now than uh than it has ever been i don't really think of myself uh as an engineer first i think of myself as a music producer and engineering happens to be one of the you know many tools in my in my basket 
in my toolbox to to use regularly on a project. Yes, I'm engineering. I'm setting up the mics. I'm doing the recording. I'm doing all of the routing. Um, but I'm also arranging. I'm doing like the role of a producer. I'm arranging. I'm keeping a session going. I'm, you know, playing. Uh, you know, I'm playing peacekeeper. I'm doing the. Um, you know, I'm I'm making sure that everybody's got tea and coffee when they need it. Just kind of, you know, doing the little things to, you know, to keep things running. I'm very regularly also uh, a session musician on on right. project that we were just talking about. You know, I put new yep. strings on my bass. That's because I play bass a lot. In fact, almost every you know record I've uh, produced in the last ten years has uh, you know has my playing on it in in some way or mm-hmm. another. I've I play keys sometimes, guitar. I've even you know played drums and percussion in yeah, you know in a few select cases. Um, yeah, man, you just you kind of have to be flexible because when some when a need comes up, uh, no is the last thing anybody wants Absolutely. to hear. The word no, I think, is just completely toxic in a recording environment. Not even just from the from the thing of no, I can't do that. More, you know, even more in the sense of you know when somebody brings up an idea. I mean, this is totally going a little off topic, but when somebody brings up I- an idea, I remember back when I was like younger and starting out, I had this chip on my shoulder about, you know, about trying to be like the smartest person in the room. And when somebody mm-hmm. brings an idea up and I don't think it's a good idea, I was like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Toxic. Don't ever do that. Yeah. Like, now you just, you, you know, you, you try the idea and let them hang themselves with yeah. it. <laughs> well, I, I, I do appreciate, I do so appreciate your snark. Um, but it's true. No, I, uh, you know, the way that I look at it is, um, I love to be wrong. I love to be wrong because when I'm wrong, that means that I've learned yep. something from, from that experience. Exactly. And I'm all, I've, I'm the more confident that I've gotten, I realize that my, you know, that me trying to be the smartest person in the room back in the day was coming from a place of, you know, feeling not confident, feeling a little inadequate. Imposter syndrome. Not wanting, well, yeah, which of course, you know, never totally goes away. Um, But, you know, now that I'm like more confident in my skill set, I want to hear what all of these ideas are. And even if I don't think it's a great idea, sometimes one, I could be wrong, um, which is great because that means that, oh, hey, this is this awesome idea that happened that I would have never thought of. And that's amazing. And, you know, I'm a firm believer of not getting the best idea that I came up with, but getting the best idea in the room, regardless of who, who came up. with. Yeah. It. And getting the best idea um, for what the production calls for. I mean, that's it, right. You know, exactly. Exactly. Which that doesn't have to come right. from me. I like, I, I, I don't Absolutely. care at all. Like I'm the kind of like my production style is very much get the right people in the room, get brilliant musicians in there. And I, try not to tell people what to play. I try to say, you know, here's the song. I might direct a little bit and say, hey, I kind of want to go for this vibe. And then I sort of step away and say, what do you think of that? Do something with that right. idea. Like, you know, I, I call people in because I think that they are, you know, brilliant musicians and they will likely come up with a better idea than what I would have come up with trying to tell them how to play their instrument. It, well, you exactly. I mean? I mean, you know, we're both bass players and pretty yeah. proficient at it not to toot our own horns but i mean i i've been doing it for geez almost i've been doing it over 30 years now yeah. <laughs> um yeah. you know and i i've picked up enough i mean i was a touring musician i was a professional session bass player for a while like i i've i've done that stuff i not totally. trying to be cocky, but I know that I can play. I know that I can pretty much handle any situation when it comes to the instrument. Yeah. But I'm not a guitar player. I'm not a piano player. I'm not sure. a drummer. So like I may have ideas for, you know, what those things could kind of do. And 
you're absolutely right. You know, letting the musician who has put the time in on that instrument, you know, will usually yield way better results uh, unless there's something sure. very specific that you know it needs and it's just got to yeah, be like, yeah. all right, we need the, you know, a one, four, five with nothing on it, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it's, it's definitely way more useful to be humble in that situation and to allow the professional to, you know, express themselves through their instrument the way they, they know how yep. to do. Cause you know, nine times out of 10, you know, 10 times out of 10, almost, uh, you're going to wind <laughs> up with a better result than, uh, than if you're trying totally. to control the situation down to, you know, the, the tiny minutia crap. So totally, yeah. totally. I will say um, though, that I've had that blow, you know, backfire on me as well. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I have definitely found that letting people go completely wild doesn't always garner the best results. I have some, um, some of my favorite musicians to work with. Um, I've done the send, I've done the, you know, the kind of very, very contemporary thing of sending them a session and just saying, yeah, do your thing and then send it back to mm -hmm. me. Um, I have almost never gotten what I want out of mm -hmm. that. And I know that if I just like remote in with them, like go on Skype or uh, Source Connect or, you know, what have you or Zoom or whatever. Just to kind of guide. And just like, yeah, just like listen to them and give them feedback as they're right. doing things. Then I always get what I want. Um, so I think everybody needs like a little bit of direction because how could they possibly know what's in my right. head? You know, if I'm producing something, I need to, I need to be able to, you know, guide them a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, um, you know, it's, it's funny when you brought up that you wanted to do this many hats thing, um, you know, I was excited to talk about it. And then in the time since you brought it up and said, Hey, let's do this. I have had like so many projects where I've worn completely different, different hats. There's always the aspect of the engineering. Um, of course, but, uh, very recently I was doing like, um, I just did a thing where I did uh, additional production on something and then I mixed it. Then I had another session where I was just doing mixing. Then I had a session where I was doing orchestral string arrangements. Uh, then I had this whole thing where um, I was working with a band and they recently parted ways with their bass player. And uh, the leader of the band calls me like two weeks before I had done like a whole bunch of work mm -hmm. with them. And they said, Hey, you know, we're coming in to record the song. We just let this bass player go. Uh, can you, can you like also play bass on it? So yeah, we had, we had a great, great session where I kind of filled in, did my thing and yeah, I'm the bass player on this record, right. <laughs> now, mm -hmm. you know, in addition to producing it and engineering it and, and arranging it. And, you know, we, we spent like the first hour of the session just going over, uh, this, the form and structure of the song doing mm -hmm. the, you know, helping with the composition and kind of saying, okay, well, let's get rid of this section. This is too long. And they had actually, they had gotten rid of a section that I really loved in the original demo. And I said, guys, what are you doing? This was like my favorite part of the song, right. <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, you know, doing, doing the, um, the the George Martin fifth Beatle right. uh, composition assistance sort right. of thing with these guys, yeah, man, and I, I love it honestly. Like i I think I think that I would not be satisfied being just an engineer. Um, Sometimes and, I and wish I, and I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I, 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 I want to say that very carefully because I have so much respect for like I don't mean just an engineer like that's like a lowbrow no, thing. Not at all. Um, just f for me, it's all, all about just like the diversity of the work that I can do and that I'm so interested in so many things. And there's just, I get so much gratification out of 
um, also being a composer, also being an arranger, also being a player on these things. Mm. And, you know, the, all of these aspects of production, I just get so much satisfaction out of right. all of it that I, that I think I just wouldn't be fulfilled solely being, um, an engineer. Right. Well, you know, I, I think there's a lot of artistry in it. Um, I mean, I know, I know you're being a little sardonic and, you know, kind of kidding about it, but I, I do no, think there's no. a lot of artistry in, <laughs> in, in, in getting the right sounds. Uh, no, well, uh, yes, you know, in, knowing, in that respect, Knowing yes. where to put the mics. Yes. I think what you're talking about is more of like the assistant engineer thing where you're literally just hitting the space bar and Pro Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's uh, a, you know, that's being in the trenches that a lot of young guys, you know, who are trying to get work at big studios or are trying to be somebody's assistant they're they're inevitably going to be doing that for at least a little while mm-hmm. um but my message to those people um as you know i rolly as you are about you know doing that sort of thing you can learn a lot by being a fly on a wall in a room like that without a doubt you know, don't, i mean that's yeah exactly i probably both of us is probably where we picked up you know more than half of our knowledge Tons. Yeah. I mean, I was the button pusher on a lot of sessions when I very, when I first started out, I, uh, you know, um, I've talked about, I, I cut my teeth at carriage house studios in Stamford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful room, wonderful, wonderful room. Um, but I was the, I was basically like the assistant engineer button pusher guy on a lot of big sessions and I learned so much. And, uh, I, for example, I, for a long time on several projects assisted, uh, assisted this really awesome engineer producer, Chris Cody he's uh really great he did like a lot of early beach house records um i think he did the yeah yeah yeahs uh but he was amazing and i just like i learned a lot peeking over his shoulder mm-hmm. watching him work watching him mix um listening to how he recorded things the sort of sounds he was getting his rapport with bands there was just like a lot that i picked up from from him and you know ton of other guys that i'm not going to sit here and name right. drop but um you, you can learn a lot doing that stuff even though your really only job on that session is to get the coffee and hit the space right. bar like just absorb sit there and listen and look and learn one of the things you kind of just touched on there too that i've i actually picked up more i mean from the technical aspects of things is is one thing and you know learning how people are doing certain things you can kind of pick that up in a lot of different places but something that you can't pick yeah. up anywhere else besides being involved in it is how people interact and and learning how Mm -hmm. to pull out the best performance out of a musician and being able to recognize what type of personality you're dealing with and you know some people you need to be kind of hard on some people you need to treat with kid gloves and you know kiss their ass and and you know make them feel like they're something special even if they're not but you know it's it's the being able to recognize that kind of stuff and learning how to, to, you know, deal with that stuff because you really only get one shot at that. And if you screw up, sure. Chances are they're not coming back. Um, or they just don't want to deal with you anymore or you're asked to, you know, be removed from the session, especially if you're an assistant. (laughs) I mean, you know, I've, yeah, I've, I had a, uh, you know, I had an intern years ago that, um, came in with, you know, great qualifications and everything, you, you know, going to school for, you know, audio and, and, you know, audio engineering and everything. And I was a little hesitant to bring him in on, you know, a, a session session, but I did. And man, was mm-hmm. it a mistake. <laughs> um, you know, ha- the, the, the kid, I don't even know if he just didn't know what he was doing or didn't know what he was saying, but like he wound up making comments 
to the artists that came in that were just completely, you know, off color or just not appropriate. Um, and you know, when we went for lunch break, um, the quote unquote band leader, if you will, pulled me aside and they were just like, look, this guy's got to go. <laughs> and I was like, I completely <laughs> oh, no. agree with you. I just didn't want to, you know, break the flow that we had going, you know, getting, getting work done. Um, but yeah, he, uh, that, that was the, that was the last time I dealt with that guy. In fact, I, I just told him not to come back period. Um, it was that egregious. Jeez. Yeah, it was bad. But, um, I, I've, I've actually had other things that have gone wrong with, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, session, but not even bringing in set, uh, the studio musicians and, and artists and stuff like that. But like, I, I have a client that I'm dealing with that probably will never hear this podcast, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but um, we'll work on a track and we'll get a, a basic sketch down of of the track just to kind of get an arrangement and make sure the arrangement works and, you know, all the timing is right. And we have, you know, a, a foundation that we're going to work off of for the rest of the song. And he always insists that, you know, he takes it with him so that he can listen to it and make sure he likes it and blah, 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 which you you don't say no. Like, as we said before, you know, give it to him. The problem is that he goes and gives it to like six other people. And all of a sudden Mm. I have tracks flying in from places. I don't know where they're coming from, from people I've never met before. And I wind up with 42 tracks of garbage that are basically destroying the song and he's already gone and paid for these guys to do things and everything and first of all you know it was a scratch track so now you have musicians trying to put you know harmonies and vocals onto things that are not tuned that are not aligned properly that are not it's not even the final vocal are not the final performance yeah exactly exactly. so now now it's like oh all of a sudden it's my job now to have to go in and edit 22 tracks of background vocals to match the final vocal like you just made so much more work which would have been so much easier had he just waited a week gotten the final vocal and this is by the way just a message to everybody because you know look we get it the the state of doing musical work in of uh, this type of work in 2023 is very different than it was even four years yep. ago. There's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more remote recording going on. I mean, I think the thing that COVID, COVID yep. and lockdown really opened up for us is the fact that like, yeah, we don't necessarily have to do everything together. There are some things that work super well where you don't even have to be in the room right. for it and, and things get cheaper and you can get cooler results. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that said, you still have to kind of think about the order of operations here. Like, yeah. I, I very recently worked on two songs um, where um, I was not involved from the beginning because if I had been, I would have steered them away from this. But I had two artists that did drums last Ooh. on pop songs. Yeah, it's, you know, and and then they were like, and, and it was a real struggle finding the right drum part because... Mm. uh the bass player and the piano player and the guitar player had played to a certain vibe that they kind of had to make up in their heads because there weren't drums. So they on didn't the even have like already. a scratch, so, like drum machine part or anything. Like no, that? I think I, I think they were they were playing to like click track oh, or something. God. Uh, it, was, it was very very odd, yeah. right? And and the and the artist was like having a lot of anxiety and trouble finding, you know, kind of like uh, coming to terms with the drum part because we had we recorded a great drum thing, but I could tell that they weren't like totally 
sold mm-hmm. on it at first because they had been listening to things without right. it. And, you know, obviously the drums completely changed the shape of Absolutely. the track, which is why when I'm producing, I will record, I will make sure that the drums, if it's going to be a rhythm heavy song, I mean, almost in any case, mm-hmm. drums will go right. first. It's, or, or, or drums are at least part of the initial right. thing. I, I'm drums a and bass big are believer usually in my, recording. You know, we do those together and. Totally. Yeah. I'm a big believer in recording as much live as possible mm-hmm. and building from there. So I'll try to do uh, drums. If there's going to be keys on the song, I try to do keys live, like drums, bass, keys, mm-hmm. at least a scratch vocal. Right. You know, if there's guitar, maybe do guitar as well. You know, just like get as much of the band playing together and playing off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that to go back to the thing that you were dealing with, where this guy is sending out these songs to like six different people and getting all these different tracks. So many things that I immediately like, you know, big red flags for me is first of all, he's sending out um, roughs to people that are singing um, and he's not sending final vocals. No, you know, please, please, please make, get your vocal finalized because it's going to make it easier for your background singers to do their job. And actually what you bring up is a hundred percent true because the, the woman that he was sending the tracks to, she's got a, an amazing ear. So she was tuning herself to match his vocal and now trying to match a vocal that's not going to be final (laughs) not only do i now have to fix the timing of it but i gotta pitch correct every damn thing where i probably wouldn't have had to if she was listening to a a really clean final vocal that you know we polished up and then sent out totally right i i would have to have done hours and hours and hours less work if we had just yeah. waited a, a yeah. few days and said all right you know here's the vocal let's now give this to you know the right. the, the background singers well the, the, the other crazy. thing that sort of drives me crazy about this is you know that you said that this guy sent uh or this whoever this artist was guy girl whatever sent this uh project out to several people at the same time and the thing that kind of drives me nuts about that is order of operations you got to do this stuff one at yes. a time because and and figure out what's the next most important thing to, to come down because if you're like okay i need horn let i'm just going to spitball yeah. here let's say okay i know that i'm going to need horns keys guitar and drums on this mm-hmm. song uh if you send that song to all of those four people right to horn to a horn player to a keys player uh a, you know, a drum, a drummer and a guitar player. Let's say you've recorded like scratch guitar, vocal and bass or something. What like I'm going to tell you in a minute is going to make your head explode, but keep going. Beautiful. Um, this is exactly what happened. Worse, but keep going. Okay. Fun, 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 fun. But, uh, so my whole thing with that is like, if you're sending those things to all of those four people individually, they're getting the same track. That's like a scratch guitar, uh, scratch vocal, whatever. And then you're collecting all of these parts from those people you have just stripped them of the ability to interact with yes. each other. If you do these things one at a time, like let's say, for example, you you do your scratch parts or maybe even you do your final guitar, your final vocal, you send it to the, you like send it to the drummer first, mm-hmm. get the drums, edit them, get everything down the way you want. Now send a version with drums to the next right. person. Let's say it's your guitar no, that's player. That's the way now to do it. Get the, I mean, yeah, right. It, it's, it's kind of like, as if you had those people come into the studio one at a time, but you need them reacting to each other. Cause if you send the same scratch track to a guitar player, a horn player and a drummer at the same mm-hmm. time, the guitar player, if he had had drums would be reacting to hits that the drummer is doing and you would get a more 
synergized, more reactive performance. And uh, the horn players might react to a guitar mm-hmm. line that's really cool, and then they elaborate on it. But if they don't have that guitar right. line to begin with, if you're sending this stuff to these people at the same time, they may come up with completely disjointed ideas, and then and then you just have a stew that doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, and and that's exactly uh, it, it's it's even worse than that. To what you were saying right there, I think uh, even more important, like the bass and the drums, us being bass players, you know, we play with the drums most of the time. I mean, there are times where, you know, you have to lock in with the guitar or whatever, but most of the time we're either playing with or off that bass drum. Drums and bass are one instrument. That is the rhythm section in almost all forms of music, jazz, uh, funk, rock, pop, those two hand in hand instruments are in, intrinsically right. linked and that doesn't mean that they always have to be recorded at the same time but they have to inform each other and i would say that rhythmically from a yes. perspective the drums yeah. have to be yeah the drums have to and the drums have to come down first if it's if it's uh if you don't have the opportunity to do them together the drums yeah have to go absolutely you know in my opinion like that's i, I mean know. i i've tried doing it different ways in fact you know i've i've had instances where i've had to put drums last but I will say that we've always had a scratch drum machine part or a basic mm-hmm. idea of what the groove is supposed to be, you know, just to yeah. kind of keep time. So everybody was still yeah. playing off of the idea that the kick is going to be, you know, this type of a pattern. And then at least right. the drummer has right. something to work off of and say, okay, this is what the instruments were doing, you know, according to this. Let me go and embellish on that. Yeah. So back to what my issue was with this with this whole session and this whole project, which is still ongoing. Um, so the first issue is that when I, you know, better, better make sure this artist doesn't hear this. I podcast. might actually show it to him just to kind of <laughs> nail it home and say, Hey, you know what? <laughs> there's a, there's a better way yeah, of doing, you this. know, cause it, and I'll, honestly, it'll save me so much time. I mean, he's sitting there wondering why it's taking me so long to do the mixes. I'm like, dude, I got 22 right. backing vocal, 22 tracks of backing vocals, harmonies, three, four, five part harmonies that I have to touch every single one right if this had been you're doing doing more editing than you're doing more editing than i'm doing more editing than recording it's yeah exactly and it's you know if if we had just taken the time to get it right first the mix would have been done days earlier you know and but so here's here's the worst case so he's got this one guy that he sends the stuff to okay and We'll send a, a track to him. A- again, same exact thing what you were saying. Like, it's just the guitar and, and the vocal. He'll send back a drum track, a bass track, eight keyboard tracks, percussion. Like, he'll basically just write a song around this. And then it's like, all right, well, we're supposed to have a keyboard player play this. We're supposed to have a bass player play. We're supposed to have another guitar player. We're getting a drummer in. Like, now he's got and is he is he doing all of this basically without sending you updates and you just get like a big I file get one that's like file of like 12 audio tracks and then he sends me and it's all midi and it's all like it sounds like it came off of like a casio from like the 1980s oh boy. yeah oh and boy. it's just like <laughs> the funniest thing like i i started digging into him about it i'm like dude i said not for nothing, but I really can't use some of these sounds. Like they're just so bad. Like they just don't sound good. And he didn't get it. Like he didn't understand like why they were bad. And he wound up bringing 
like uh you know some of those tracks to somebody else i I think he brought it to the uh to the vocalist that he uses to do the background vocals and he goes does this sound like like cheap casio things and he said she didn't even bat an eye she was just like yes (laughs) it wasn't even there was no hesitation it's like yeah this sounds like crap like this is just terrible oh not to say that his parts are crap the parts are pretty good it's just the sounds that he's using it just like well, oh, in, in that case, it's probably a good thing that he's given you MIDI. Most of the time I get the MIDI. Um, sometimes I don't. Um, like he'll do certain like percussion things like harp glisses and stuff like that, yeah. where for some reason, like I don't get the MIDI. I'm guessing it's probably like a sample or something where it's just like a single key. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like one note right. where you, you hit it's exactly. one note and then it plays like, yeah, you it know, does the whole gliss or whatever it is. But yeah. Yeah. But damn, man, like it's just so hard. And we started a new track the other day and I said to him, I said, do not give this to anybody. I said, just let's try and do this one. Right. Yep. What does he do? He yep. gives it to the two other people and I'm getting tracks back on the stuff. I'm like, dude, this is not going to work. This <laughs> I'm going to be I mean, pulling you know, my hair out doing this. <laughs> I think the, the other piece of it is that I mean, it's going to sound mean, but it, I think it just kind of is what it is. Like some people just can't be helped. Oh yeah, you no, know, I would add that. He, at, at, he's just so excited at a, at a about certain, it that he's got a new song that he's working on, and it's sure, just like, yeah. sure. And you know, it, it 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 always comes from like a place of love and excitement and everything. But it's like, man, tr- trust the professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been doing this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like I promise you, I've done a project every which way you can imagine, and I've seen, and I'm sure you have too. I've seen the benefits of things. I've seen the pitfalls. Yep. Like. I have failed at things more times than, you know, what what, what is that the, the Chinese saying, uh, ancient ancient Chinese saying, I guess, the, uh, the master has failed more than the novice has tried. Right. Like, I have had, I can guarantee you, you know, to, you know, young artists and people that I'm working with, like, I have failed more times than you have tried to create a song. So, like, I know what I'm talking about when I say, like, do it this way. You know, to a certain degree, like this, I, I kind of, I, I know what the process should be like. Right. And yes, sometimes I look, go back to the thing I was saying, I love being proven wrong, but there are certain things like, you know, Hey, don't do drums last. Right. Like it's, and I was not, not that's not to say like, it's not going to work. That's to say that like, you could have saved yourself a lot of mm-hmm. grief. Like this could have gone a lot more smoothly. And saving us you know, a lot of grief things. too. <laughs> Trying to shoehorn. Right. Of course. In. And, 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 and by the way, also, you know, like we got to just, rip the band-aid off and touch on this like budgets are tight it's mm-hmm. gonna save you money to do things oh yeah to do things kind of in order and i i, I was i was having this organ uh, this conversation with an artist that um <clears throat> with an artist that i'm working with and we talked about like you know well they have they have like a very limited budget and i would talk about like okay well so we do a song and we're gonna you know maybe we do a couple of songs and we spend one day with like four musicians in the room and that's going to be a very expensive day because you're paying for my day rate you're paying for the studio you're paying for the keyboard player the guitar player the drummer Mm -hmm. that's a very expensive day for them um but i said you know not for nothing in that day you have gotten this amount of work and now if we break that up and say okay we're gonna do we're going to do a day of uh guitar we're gonna do a day of keys we're gonna do a day of this or the day of that Mm -hmm. Uh, you end up actually spending kind of more money doing that and you get a less, to my ear, less pleasing result because if you do what I'm talking about where we put everybody in the same room, mm-hmm. goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier, we can have a conversation. Right. 
we can build our parts together. We can, you know, we can, the drummer can react to what the guitar player is doing rather than the other way right. around. Because if you do, if you do the thing, the piecemeal way where we do drums first and then like we do a scratch guitar that we do drums first and then we call the guitar player in, and then we, you know, do the keys after that, then everybody's reacting to what came before what the, right. yeah, exactly. But the way that I'm talking about, like if we all, you know, sit down and play the song together, we can all have a conversation. That's what music mm -hmm. is. All this is, is having a conversation, getting a message across. Like we're all we're ever trying to do is communicate a feeling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's much easier to do when everybody's in the room feeling each other out. Yeah. You know? And, and um, I just want to throw the caveat out there that, you know, while this does hold true for a lot of live music, you know, it, it still is very genre dependent. You know, uh, somebody yeah. that's doing like, you know, I don't know, country, folk, pop, you know, rock, whatever it is, when you're having a bunch of live musicians, something like that, it, it, the, the the benefit is just tremendous of being able to have everybody yeah. in the same room at the same time, being able to, you know, do what needs to be done. That's why I, I like working with bands because all of the musicians are there. You know, we're not having to find mm -hmm. people to bring in whatever it is. Um, but, you know, with like hip hop, rap, you know, anything like that, where it's mainly just vocals you're doing over something that's already, you know, pre-produced. It's yeah. a different result. However, I will say, and I just saw a video, one of my producers that works in the studio here sent me a video not that long ago on this. When you have the, like the rapper, for instance, working with the person that's working on the beat and they're actually in the same room at the same time, the result is so much better. Because, oh, of course. Because the, 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 the beat maker can tailor exactly, the arrangement. Exactly. You yeah. know, if, if the rapper gets like a, like a hook or something that's going and there's a certain cadence to it, the producer yeah. can go in and, and tailor that, you know, the music there to match or complement totally. what the rapper is doing. And it, the result is 10 out of 10. There's no exception. I've never had it not work better. Than you know somebody coming yeah. in with a pre-made yeah. track and you know rapping over it or singing over it, whatever the case is. Totally, it's it works so much better. <laughs> I mean, and well, and, and and I think the, the the only issue and the only reason not to do that is a budgetary. Constraint. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you know, if you got a as, you know uh, a young kid or somebody that's just pulling beats off of you know Bandcamp or you know YouTube, totally. whatever it is, um. Buying rent, rent, renting beats, which is an yeah, idea God, that I, I don't even can, want. To. Still can't really wrap yeah. my head around. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're working with if you're working with somebody that's actually creating bespoke music for you to perform right. over, yeah, of course it's going to be better mm -hmm. when you're in the room with them and they're you know tailoring and catering the the music to what you're doing. Right. And that's that conversation that you were talking about, and and exactly again it it. It is and it isn't. For the most part, it is something that will transcend just about every genre. And, you know, totally. I, I, I almost can't think of a genre besides, you know, just having a, a singer and a guitar player that is the same person <laughs> where you're not getting anybody else, where it's just, you know, one idea getting recorded from one person and it's not a collaborative effort. Like that's the only time where, you know, I, I would say though, even, even then I would make the argument that if the person is a strong singer, you get a better result from doing the whole thing live, mm -hmm. um, having them 
having them interact with themselves, yes. like playing guitar and singing at the same time, you will, I think you'll get a better result and a more honest performance if you do that rather than getting the guitar taken and then getting the vocal takes. My, my usual MO for that stuff is to set up as if we're recording the final take of guitar mm-hmm. and vocals at the same time, you know, set up the figure eight mics or whatever, you know, however I do it, everybody kind of does yep. it a little different, but um, you know, usually it's a couple of figure eight mics, one on the guitar, one on the voice, try to null the guitar with the voice one and the voice with the guitar one, yada, yada, yada. Um, sure. And, and get that down. And if that works and we get a great performance, we're done. If yeah. there's issues with yeah. it or something just doesn't sound quite right, we use that as a sketch and then they'll go over and play guitar over what was just played. And now we have a clean guitar track. Yeah. And, you know, if there right. were problems with right. the vocals, again, we use that, go back and, you know, record a different vocal, you know, over, over it again and, you know, fit in what needs to be fit in and, and make it work yeah. like that. But yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like having somebody do something as live as possible and trying to get them to express the emotion as much as possible, I think is the biggest thing. Once you start separating the tracks into individual elements, some of that raw emotion and feel kind of gets lost, I find. Yeah, no, I, I think you're completely right. And, and, and I also want to touch on, you know, the thing that we are talking about here, so much of what we've been discussing has been you know, coming at things from like an emotional approach and a feel approach, which Mm is, you know, that's one of the many hats you have to wear. Kind of like circle, come come back full circle to the topic of like, you know, if you want to be an engineer producer in this industry, like finding that emotional connection with the artist and with the song and then helping the artist often find that emotional connection it's a big part of the job and that's guarantee you something that you're not, you know, going to learn in in a classroom right. or by watching youtube tutorials you just kind of have to like you got to be able to feel people you, out you just kind of yeah you have to be a people person yep. you know i mean this is a people industry and i i always t- say that you know my uh my job is uh you know 10 percent uh 10 music and 90 percent uh psychology yep. i was just gonna say you put on the psychologist hat because you got to be able to read you people to. and you have to be able to you know emotionally handle people that are trying to capture an emotion I mean, I've had, dude. Uh, yeah, I've had artists break down in tears during takes. I did. I was. I was just gonna say that happened to me uh, a week ago. Okay. Uh, I was recording. I was recording with an artist. It was, you know, we were recording like a really, really beautiful song um, about a family member that had passed, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we just kind of like we were we were really getting heady with the takes and and you know trying to trying to find that space, and we kind of we went past the we sort of went past the uh emotional vulnerability threshold mm-hmm. where like if you literally break down in tears in a take that maybe isn't you know a particularly useful take but we were like trying to find that that sweet spot um and we went past it and um you know they they started crying and we both kind of like we stopped and you know we hugged it out and we just had, had a good cry about loss mm-hmm. together and that was like that was my session that day is we had to right. like, you know, we had to just like take a half hour break to cry about it. Hey, you know, it and that was, you know, e- exactly, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, cause Hey, guess what? We made a connection and that's what right. music is about. It was, you know, the artist and I were able to make a connection that day. And I also knew that 
because of how impactful that was, I also just like had this realization, like this song is going to connect with people because this is real, this is meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it hit both of us while we were working on it, you know, and that's, man, you know, you, you never know what you're going to walk into. That right. Right. <laughs> you got to be ready for anything. Yeah. I, one of, one of the instances that I had that happen, um, sim very similar situation, uh, song about, you know, I think it was a real close friend of hers that, that passed and, mm -hmm. um, she was singing, playing guitar and she, she lost it, but she kept it together enough that like yeah. it was such a moving take we had to leave it like there was just no way we were wow. going to capture that again and wow. it was and, and we wound up actually making it um she she did it like a full production of this song uh where mm -hmm. we had you know all the session musicians and everybody you know do all that whole thing um and yeah. then that initial take we wound up releasing as a live take that's you know, awesome. and it wound up being like a bonus track on on the CD or whatever it was that she put out. I mean, this wow. was years ago. That's really cool, man. Yeah, but I mean, it was just so really cool. powerful that we were just like, you know what? No, there's there's just no way we can get away from this. <laughs> like this happened. That's really and great. it needs to, you know, this needs to be heard because it was just dude. That's amazing. that's amazing. I mean, that it's it's all you know. My favorite thing that we do is we capture moments. Yeah. You know, the lightning you know, in like a bottle every, thing. You know, it's ex exactly like that's. And again, one of the reasons that I so much prefer to record as much live as possible. Happy accidents. Because you're gonna you're gonna get those moments. Mm -hmm. You're gonna get those magical interaction moments that would have never happened otherwise. Yep. Um I work with this incredible artist, uh Drew Angus, and we uh I think it must be must be two years ago now, uh, were uh, we recorded an EP at Carriage House and we got uh, there were seven of us, six or seven of us playing live together at the same time. And we did a lot of overdubbing on that record, but there were a couple of songs on that album and he was singing live with us the entire time. There were a couple of songs on that album where we fully used everything everybody played live because we just fell into such a vibe and we used the live vocal take. There's a couple of songs on that record where it's there's no edits, no wow. nothing, just that's the live vocal take with the band. Because you know what, when you put a singer in that situation, um, sometimes like they get like this emotional reaction where they sink into this groove, mm -hmm. you know, if you just kind of like release yourself to the power and the energy of everybody, you know, coming together to right. help you in that way. And if you like, if you can connect with that moment, you can really make something special. And, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of singers are, you know go into a studio with things like that and like oh yeah this is a scratch vocal take and we're going we're going to go back and we're going to refine it i encourage everybody listening to this to not look at anything as a scratch right. you know al always do your best because you never know what's going to mm -hmm. happen like i've been in so many situations where like the scratch the scratch i'm doing air quotes right now um the scratch ended up being the thing because there's just something that happens sometimes uh so, sometimes the demo you make the 10 minutes after you wrote the right. song is the best you're ever going right. to sing it because you are that is the most connected you're ever going to be with that and song. i got a devita sometimes <laughs> yeah well, well yeah there you go so, uh, sometimes the version of the song that you sing two years later mm -hmm. because now you understand what the song is really about is the best version right. of that but but that's my point is that you, you never just know. you never right. know Sometimes that moment happens with a producer in a studio. Sometimes that moment happens at 3 a.m., you know, in your bedroom. Right. 
and that, and that so. also, you know, sp- speaks to our job as the engineer when we're setting up mics and stuff to not just throw them up and be like, oh, it's a scratch, no matter what. Like, yeah. take take the couple extra minutes to make sure that everything is right because this could yep. be the one, and you don't know. Yep. Yep. And you know exactly. you don't want to be stuck having to try and fix an off-axis mic sound or you know yep. something that wasn't positioned quite properly. Like all it had to do was be moved like another inch or two to the left or right, whatever it is. You know, yeah. Just take the time to do it and get it right. Totally. And that totally. and it saves you time in the back end too because even if it is a crap take or or you know this winds up being a scratch and it's a throwaway, now you don't have to go back in and adjust stuff after the fact when you want to take the real take. <laughs> um, yeah. And, so. and l- listen, even, even if you're the engineer on the session and you, the, and the discussion happened beforehand where you're not producing in those moments, you got to put your producer hat on. Even if, even if there's another mm-hmm. producer in the room and the producer says, Oh, this is just going to be a scratch. Right. No, you put your producer hat on for a second uh, because you got to always do the thing that's going to be the best for the right. session and the best for everybody around. Even if it wasn't asked right. of you. I mean, there there are some lines that you shouldn't cross, and it becomes a delicate dance of like, don't step on toes, but at the same time, also do the thing that you know at the end of the day is going to make everybody happier and everybody's lives right. easier. And and that's that's you doing know? your job as an engineer to make sure that totally, you know, even totally. though you're kind of putting a producer hat on in secret, you'll be looked at as an engineer way better if you had taken the time to set everything up properly yeah. and you nailed the take. You know, if you if Absolutely. you just went in and half-assed it and, you know, hit the red button when you came back in and it was the take and it sounds like crap, guess who's getting blamed? It's not the producer. <laughs> exactly. You know, I have a, I have a, I have an interesting story to tell about that, um, to, you know, maybe cap this off. Um, I was, uh, working on a record, uh, earlier this year, um, just an incredible record, a folk record with a lot of really great musicians. We did almost the entire thing live. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one song that the band was, uh, working out in the, uh, we did this at carriage house and there's a very large live room. Mm-hmm. Um, and up to this point, we were recording everybody in isolation booths. So everybody was playing together, but the bass was isolated. I was upright. Drums were isolated in the drum booth. Uh, piano was in the main room. And then the artist was in, in a vocal booth playing guitar and singing at the same time. Um, so they came, they all came out and they sat in a circle in the big live room where the piano is. Um, and everybody was on, it was uh, two guitars lap steel and bass and they were and they were just rehearsing the song and i'm and i'm just kind of standing there in the room i was like mostly engineering this record doing some production Mm -hmm. stuff um i think it's still a little unclear if i'm getting a production credit or not um but it doesn't matter um i actually did end up also playing some instruments anyway mixed it as well whatever (laughs) um i had had this was was the whole thing about wearing many hats like i think i was it was not totally clear at the beginning of the project what exactly my role would be like i talked with the producer who was a good friend of mine he was like yeah man like i want you to engineer it but also don't be afraid to like bring things up and you know we'll see how it goes and totally if you you know if you step into like a co-production role that's totally cool and that'll that's a that's a cool Um, that's a cool producer to work with because like you know there are definitely some out there that are like you know this is my gig Sit down, shut up. Yeah, and right, do your totally, thing. totally. But um, the, one yeah, thing I, mean, I do want to bring up with that real quick, though, is you know, for anybody listening out there that is falling into like these kind of things, try and get that cleared up as early as possible. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Don't H- have those conversations before you walk into yeah. the room. Yeah, 
So go ahead on with because, your story. Because <laughs> you, you, you can, you can find it yeah, right. You, you can find yourself in a situation where, you know, you don't have that conversation. Everybody thinks of you as the engineer. Uh, then you walk in, you slip into a more of a production role, but because in everybody's head, you've been the engineer at the end when you say, well, but I kind of co-produced this, then there may be some awkward conversations. Oh, yeah. So get that cleared up, like understand what the mm-hmm. roles are going in. And even if it's just like, hey, we want you as an engineer, and then you you know, throw out that thing of like, listen, but I also do all this other stuff. Do you want me to keep my mouth shut about this? Mm-hmm. Can I kind of slip some of these things in? If that sort of happens, you know, can we talk about like a co-production thing? You know, yeah, I, I have that conversation. I tell clients all the time. I, I said, look, I'm going to give you my two cents, take it or leave it. I'm not going to be offended either way. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. if it's something that I feel needs to be brought up, I said, I'll let you know, but just know that you don't have to listen to me. And, sure. you know, this is, uh, you know, is what it is. Yeah. No, clarity and communication are so important. Um but so the story, back to the story I was telling. So they're, they come, they all come out of their booths and they are sitting around in the um, live room uh, rehearsing, rehearsing the song because they wanted to just do it like the way that they would do it at like, uh, you know, uh, at a gig or like at a folk session in somebody's living room. Cause that's like, you know, that's what the, you know, a lot of these folk artists do is they'll just, you know, hang out in the living room, sit on couches mm-hmm. and just play their instruments. So they were doing that. And the mics were not set up for this at all. All the mics were in the in the rooms mm-hmm. and um, in the isolation rooms. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this. And I just like look at the producer and I kind of give him a signal of like, just keep running the song. Uh, so they keep doing that. And while they're doing that, um, I'm pulling all of the microphones out of the booths and setting them up in front of w- exactly where they're sitting. Mm-hmm. And by the time they had figured out the arrangement, I was like, okay, nobody has to go anywhere. I'm just going to go hit record and we're going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and we had a conversation about it later and the, you know, the guy who was producing it, like it was me, the artist and, um, and my buddy who was producing the record. Uh, and he was like, dude, thank you so much for making that decision. Cause the producer was also playing in the mm-hmm. band. So he couldn't exactly like, right. he was focused on getting the arrangement right. Um, and I kind of made the production decision of rather than going back to our rooms, just do it. You guys right. are, are capturing a magic moment here. I didn't, I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I just set it up and made it happen. So when they were done, they did it. And, you know, then we ended up doing half the session that way because they were like, wait a minute, this is so much, right. you know, for these sort of songs, mm-hmm. um, there was like a batch of songs that really needed that sort of feel right. for these sorts of songs. Yeah. We're going to just record three feet away from each other, you know, isolation be mm-hmm. damned. Um, and I bet you this sounds great. <laughs> it's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm not going to name names because the record's not out yet, but it was, I, I, yeah. I was showing you the right, that was the one that I tracked back in March. Wow. Yeah, that's right. And I was playing you some of those, like all of those songs that I was playing you that were, um, that didn't have drums that were like acoustic, right, upright right. and, uh, pedal steel. Yeah. Those were all, uh, sorry, lap steel. Um, those were all tracked with everybody sitting, yeah. you know, very close and comfy, like three feet away from each and, other. And especially for that genre. I mean, that makes so much more sense than isolating everything like, like the totally. way you would do it, like for a pop record or totally. you know, a rock record or totally. something like that, where, you know, every little piece has to have like, you know, go under the microscope, folk music, jazz, yeah. like you can, I, I mean, think about how like Charlie Parker recorded. There was a mic in a room. Was it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like literally exactly. a mic in a room. Everybody, yeah, those old. The, you you put the <laughs> instruments in the room 
how far back you wanted them in the mix. So if you wanted the drums really far back in the mix, you put them really far back in the room. You know, whoever was solo came up to the front near the mic so that it was louder. But like, it's like that kind of a thing where, you know, you don't have to be, you know, 64 tracks of, you know, mics on everything, you know, six mics on a guitar. Like sometimes it's just like, dude, put a mic up. The phase, the phase. But yeah, I mean, like, Honestly, you probably could have put up a really good Omni mic right in between everybody and still gotten a damn good recording. You're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, and in fact, there's there's a whole uh, series of videos. I forget the producer that uh, does the, them. The 50s uh, thing? There was a whole... The, well, there's that whole series of videos um, about the um, AEA R88, okay. which is a uh, wonderful microphone that uh, both Anthony and I have and love. It's a great ribbon microphone. Mm-hmm. It's actually two ribbon microphones in one yeah, it's housing. A big stereo. Um, we we have a name for it, but we're not going to say it. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's well, a well, giant. Su- suffice, it's it's the, suffice it to say the Dar- the Darth Vader yes. mic. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it's, uh, it's about a yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's a very. Ver- it's a, I mean, it's, it's a very it's cool a microphone. Mic. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a because it's really it's two microphones stacked on top right. of each other in um, uh, what is the uh, what is the pattern a called? I'm blanking right now. But yeah, uh, they're um. It's two microphones set up in Bloomline stereo configuration for uh, ribbon microphones. Um, and it's awesome. And there's a whole series of videos. You guys can look this up. The um, R88 um, one mic series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably getting that a little wrong. But if you type that into YouTube, I'm sure you'll find it. And there was this producer that recorded a whole bunch of bands with just that microphone doing exactly the thing that you were talking about, where the microphone is set up in the middle of the room. Everybody is set up around it. and uh, the singer is usually closest to it because you need to overpower drums and bass mm-hmm. and other things. Uh, but it's really incredible how natural and awesome you can get things to sound yeah. when you really focus on exactly where the guitar amp is right. in the, you know, uh, because where it is in physically in the room is where it's going to be. Exactly. In the how far back the drums are is how roomy right. and how indirect they're going to sound. Yep you know, how close the singer is, is how much low end they're going to have in their voice. And it's going to be their, uh, loudness placement in the Mm -hmm. mix. And so in these videos, you watch them and they spend like an hour just moving people around. And the producers on headphones talking to people like, okay, bass player, I need you to move your amp a foot back. Okay. Drummer, you know, let's like, let's, we're going to move the mic. So it's slightly closer to the drums. We're going to move everything. And once they dial in the exact physical placement of everybody in the room, mm-hmm. bada bing, bada boom, it's magic. And there's no yeah. phase problems. <laughs> oh, of course. there's a, Yeah. And, and there's no phase problems. And there's also nothing um, to mix. You're done. You spent all the time getting it right. Right. At the mic. Ex- exactly. You exactly. Because you're done. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they were talking about like, yeah, we do like a little bit of EQ, yeah. a little bit of compression. And, and it. it's really more akin to mastering at yeah. that point. But, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think this seems like a this seems like a pretty natural uh, stopping point. Yeah. Um, all right. Great. So uh, we'll catch everybody next time. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for plugging into the patch bay. 